This is Bridget Deneen with Guts and Grace. How to create space for yourself in a world that would rather you stayed small. This is the place to be for women who want to put themselves on the priority list and stop living on leftovers. If you're ready to reclaim your time, energy, and peace of mind, you're in the right place. It's time to insist on well-being, and it all starts here and now. Hey, hey, I'm so delighted that today I get to introduce you to Natalia Cantor, who's a feminine power coach, author, and the creator of several groundbreaking masterminds, including Quantum Leap and the Powerful Women's Club. Her work around balancing masculine and feminine energy to avoid burnout, connecting more deeply to yourself, unlocking tapped creativity, and ultimately living a life of pleasure is the inspiration behind her upcoming book, The Path of Pleasure, to be released in 2019. So exciting. Natalia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. Very grateful. Very grateful. I'm so excited to be with you. It just occurs to me too, as soon as I started saying your name, I, I usually always check how to pronounce last names before I hit record. <laughs> I forgot to do that. So fingers crossed, did I do okay? You did great. You did great. Thank you. So good. So good. I'm really excited um, to be having this conversation with you, with you today. It's been a long time in the making. I've been following your work for a long time. Um, and I guess it was maybe like two summers ago, I, I met you for like a brief moment at, um, at a, an entrepreneur's event at, um, at Sandra's Cottage, uh, which was super awesome. And so today I'm really excited to get to know you better and to hear more about the core of your work and uh, what you're bringing to the world. So, um, so thank you so much for being here. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for inviting me to be here and share this with you. How oh, good. Start it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now that we're gratitude bombing all over the place, <laughs> I like to start every episode by asking my guests to fill in the blank. So now it's your turn. I'm so glad I had the guts to. I'm so glad I had the guts to consciously design my life. Woo! Yes. Yeah. Okay, say more. <laughs> yes. I decided not to do the status quo very early on. Right after I graduated university, I've decided to go and explore a road less traveled, which led me to entrepreneurship. And then from there on, I've realized, you know, one of the main factors in designing your life the way you want to is the authority over your own time. Mm. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. It's so easy to get caught in this trap of, of giving yourself away. And actually, um, you wouldn't have heard it because it's a pre-recorded intro to the show, but I talk about how this is all about no longer living on leftovers. You know, I think so many women get caught in this cycle of trying to piece together, to cobble together some sense of happiness from whatever's left after you do everything else. And yeah. so I love that you're here to be a model, to be a beacon and to share your wisdom around how to like not do that shit anymore. It takes guts though. It totally does. It totally does. So I'm curious to know, like you said, you started from, from a young age, which you mentioned is after university. Did you feel like you had the inkling before that though? Like, is this something that you can remember from 
childhood or was it really just at the end of university that you felt that shift and it's like I'm not going this this way that the current is going I'm going to turn left oh boy you're just opening a whole Pandora's box so you are you ready for this because <laughs> <laughs> hey if you're ready I'm ready if you're not what that's a question cool. what a question here we go <laughs> um I had this I, I would have to say I had this incredible insight when I was in university um <laughs> where I started to examine what is the meaning of life. A lot of my, um, a lot of the students in our course were designing websites and moving with the digital revolution. And for some reason, I needed to know what is the meaning of it all. So that sent me into a whole exploration, coming to realize that I want to sit behind a desk until I'm retired and then live my life. Mm -hmm. So you were sort of tuned into these deeper thoughts um, a little bit ahead of the game in terms of perhaps when, when those sorts of thoughts may, might start to come up for a lot of people in our culture. But there are definitely a few of us that I think start, started thinking about those things um, from a younger age. I like to say that I had my eat, pray, love year when I was like 22. Mm, <laughs> that's a good year to have, darling. You know? So I'm like right there with you in terms of like, wait, time out. <laughs> what am I signing up for? And I'm going to sign on purpose for whatever, whatever comes next. So I love that. I love that. So I'm curious then, um, what's on your radar right now? Like, what are you into these days? Um, since 2016, I decided to name my years, give them one theme, and then live up to that theme, explore that theme, see what it's all about. So this year is all about being limitless. How do I limit myself less? Mm. And so far, I am realizing that in order to actually limit myself less, I need containers and systems, which I didn't think I needed before. <laughs> so that's what I'm I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I love that. It <laughs> resonates so much with me. It's so true because it's like we need, we need both, right? We need structure and we need freedom. Yes. We have, if we're just operating in one of those places, either one of them you know, kind of loses its mojo after a certain point in different ways. But um, that's so interesting that you came to that. So, so how has that shown up in your life this year then? Like what structures have you put in place that help to support your limitlessness? My limitlessness. I, I call it now organized flow. Mm. Um, nice. And it's showing up in my creative process a lot where I'll just set a certain amount of time for something I don't know what it's going to be yet. I just know it's booked and I let creativity show up in any way it wants to. I'm not trying to edit it. I'm not trying to polish it. I'm not trying to force it to be a certain way. I'm just setting the container and see what wants to show up through me. It's a different way of working because before I was very frustrated at my creative process and I was forcing a lot of things. Mm. So what, what did it look like before compared to this approach that you're using? Oh, let me tell you, I'm, <laughs> I'll happily share. Um, before, okay, I'll sit down at the computer and then I will, in my mind, be demanding that amazingness just comes through and I just get things done really quickly, very neatly, very, when, when I was more my masculine. And if it wasn't happening, I'd be sitting there frustrated, really getting pissed off to a point of rage <laughs> that mm. I'm not producing fast enough because I have 10 things already, you know, ahead that I need to be focusing on. Why isn't this happening fast? Mm -hmm. So there was no respect and honoring of the creative process. 
So by just setting containers, sitting and letting things come in its raw format, then when it's ready, edit them, then when it's ready, polish them. And that's how I work now. I love it. I feel like we're living parallel lives. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'm doing a lot of writing this year as well. And, um, and I had the same sort of thing because it's funny at certain stages in my life, I have been able to just sit down and have like a one and done, you know, kind of a piece that I would, that I would put out, but I'm going deeper now. And it, um, it's the process is different. And so similarly, I'm also doing those time containers. It's like, I'll make a date with myself and then I will, you know, whatever comes up, I allow it to be there. Similarly, rather than being like, okay, I'm writing three pieces in this, you know, two hour, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it's got to come out perfect and ready. Yeah. Yeah. Like without needing to be retouched or edited or anything like that. It's like, just do it and make it perfect the first time. Like, no, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when it does, cool. But if it's not working, then we got to recognize that, right? And approach it differently. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's always interesting to see what people are kind of working with themselves right now, you know, because we're all in progress, we're all um, kind of leaning into our edges. And so I'm always inspired to hear what that looks like for for other people right now in their lives. So so thank you for that. So now we're going to dive into like the meat of the convo, which I'm so excited about. Um, We're going to be talking about pleasure, we're going to be talking about power. Um, And so I just wanted to to dive right in by asking you right off the top, what is your story of pleasure and power? And why is it that you do what you do now? Like, how did you get here? What's this all about? I burnt out. (laughs) I burnt out pretty badly. I didn't even know I burnt out. That's how bad it was. That's that's an interesting observation because I I feel like I see that a lot. A lot of people are burnt out but can't name it because we're so fried, right? So I appreciate you sharing that, but you couldn't tell. I couldn't even tell. I didn't even know what the symptoms are. Do you know what the symptoms of burnout are? I find them fascinating because I didn't know. I just thought what was happening pretty normal because I'm a businesswoman. Right, right. Please share. Tell us. Okay, so the characteristics of burnout, and there's all different phases, but general characteristics is you're starting to slowly feel overwhelmed by what you need to do, uh, followed by because you're overwhelmed, you start to retrieve back. So you don't want to be part of social conversations anymore. Everything is too irritating and frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, you generally just don't have the energy to cope with things. The, it takes you now twice the amount of time to, to do the same thing that you used to do in a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then you just reach a point of full-on exhaustion where you can't cope and completely withdraw from work. So a lot of people would quit at that point. This is, this is where a lot of people would quit their jobs. Mm-hmm. I have some women that I'm helping um, because they don't actually understand what's happening. They think it's the, it's the job that's causing everything, which is a big part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But it's how we do the job. It's the environment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and it's, um, I think that moment of of self-awareness like when you like I mean if if you're listening right now and you can identify with um, those those symptoms that Natalia just outlined you know it's the kind of thing that it can really be a a moment of reckoning where you know um, the way you mentioned that sometimes people will think that it's just the job it's like 
you, so often you can leave the thing that feels like is the source of your suffering, but, um, but you kind of take all your stuff with you, right? So whatever parts of it um, are meant for you to own <laughs> are going to show up in other ways or in other um, circumstances as well. So, so yeah, there's definitely value to recognizing when the environment is not the right one for you. But I love how you're getting into that nuance of like, okay, yes, the environment matters, but also um, your mindset matters and how aligned you are on the inside matters and, and how you're caring for yourself in the context of life really matters. Absolutely. So the point mm -hmm. of no return for me was actually when I lost my mojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is when I realized something wasn't right. Before I just thought, okay, digestive issues, thyroid issues, okay, all kinds of panic attacks, anxiety. Sure, I can deal with that. But when I lost my sex drive, that wasn't okay. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um, so that kind of brings us to the pleasure part. Mm -hmm. it sounds like there's this connection then about pleasure as a pathway forward. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Exactly. So when I said I burned out, I didn't realize we're still recording. Mm-hmm. We are okay. Just you pop, but okay. Um, okay. When I, <laughs> I will clean that up. By the way, like that's a little bit of a gap. I will clean that. We're up. all good. We're all good. Um, okay. When I burned out, I have realized that I burned out because I was following the masculine model of success, which is based on hustle. It's how men design the business world to work for them. It's based on their biology and how they create in the world. So the fastest sperm wins mentality, winning at all costs against all competition, finding the most direct route. And it doesn't matter how we get there, boys, but we're getting to the end result. And that's how, everything, that's how I've been operating. Mm -hmm. So pleasure obviously wasn't part of that equation. Right. Um, pleasure was only to be earned once I get to the destination. I had to earn it. You had to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really relatable. I think so many of us operate that way. You know, it's like pleasure is the thing that you do when you've done all of the other things Yes. as a sort of reward. Um, and so what's the alternative to that then? So the alternative that I found was I've completely dismissed my feminine side as weak and ineffective and too vulnerable for the workplace but I didn't consider that the feminine could be very powerful. Once mm. I tapped into the powerful feminine, I would have to say, um, it operates very differently. I mean, we women, the way we create and based on our biology again, is we take the seed into the womb and we make sure that we create the most nourishing environment for that to grow. Mm -hmm. We grow it organically. Our body knows exactly how to do it. All we need to do is follow our cravings because our cravings lead us to our intuition. What am I going to eat? What do I really need right now? And that's kind of part of the building blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, speed is not the name of the game. In fact, patience is. And then knowing that we are organically doing everything we need to until this thing is ready. So I'm talking about a baby, but this applies to any creative process um, and especially in business. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about this aspect of, of feminine power um, and how it relates to pleasure. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the relationship, would you say, between pleasure and power? Very good question. <laughs> it's a, I'm just going to ask you. Like, it's a very good question. It's a very good question. Huge, unanswerable question. No, 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 of course. No, it is. Of course it is an answerable question. So power really means our ability to do something. That's power. Um, when we're not feeling very good, we would, I would say we're not in our power. And it's very difficult to do things when we're not feeling very good. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we're drained and not able. Pleasure, when we're engaging in pleasure, and especially finding a way to um, release feel-good chemicals from within, that puts us in a very powerful state. Because if we can feel good at will, we are in our power. And then that allows us to accomplish anything we want to. Mm. What stopped me a lot of times from getting to the result I wanted to was I wasn't feeling good. I would sabotage myself. All those um, interesting misdoubt, miss I'm not enough would come out to play and convince me that this isn't going to happen. Yeah. So that's obviously not feeling good and that's not being in my power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm just wondering like for people who are dealing with um, like chronic issues that are making it so that they don't feel good, whether it's, you know, illness or pain or what have you. I'm wondering um, from your perspective how this applies for for people for whom the idea of feeling good might feel like a bit of a distant uh, distant goal. It's like if I does this mean that if I if I can't feel good (laughs) um, that I'm going to be less powerful or how I'm I'm just curious about that nuance or how how people who might feel um, you know, who might be dealing with particular challenges when it comes to their ability to feel good um, for like physiological reasons or what have you. How do they tap into this sort of thing as well? Hey there, thanks so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Guts and Grace. We'll get back to it in just a sec. Are you feeling overwhelmed by your to-do list? Download Lighten Your Load, my free PDF guide to help you deal with what's draining you in five simple steps so you can reclaim your time, energy, and peace of mind. Head over to www.bridgetdeneen.com slash lighten dash your dash load and grab your copy today. That link is also in the show notes. Back to our show. Wonderful question. Um, yes, I do understand there are some people that are going through a lot of stuff right now and pain, pain would be one of the factors that would be stopping a lot of us. Um, mm. I will demonstrate this with my story because I think that would help. So yeah, when I was burning out, the first thing that goes is your digestion. The reason your digestion goes as the first sign of burnout is because when you're stressed, when you're in fear, if fear is generally in your stomach. Mm-hmm. So, and your sense of confidence is also in your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's kind of your place of will, willpower, ability to do things. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this when you feel fear, instantly there's this odd feeling in your stomach. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. If you continually engage in fear, you are starting to damage that area. That is why digestion shuts down as the first thing. 
if you're engaged in too much fear. Mm-hmm. And it has to shut down because we were designed to fight or flight. So all our energy cannot go to the stomach. It needs to go to our feet or to our hands because we're either going to be fighting or running. Yeah. So that's where most energy goes. And then that's why the stomach has to take the least amount of energy. Right, right. So if we're in a stressful environment, this is what happens. So what happened to me is I developed all kinds of digestive issues where I couldn't eat any food. I was that person in a restaurant, you know, going, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. (laughs) That was me. And I've lived with that for about three years. Mm Mm-hmm blaming food for my condition just food i blame food not not the environment not what i have done to my body so that was a chronic pain that i lived Mm. with for three years and now i will bring back losing my mojo to this story because it's very relevant Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how that all ties into feeling good and then stepping into our power And if you have any questions as we go along, just ask me, okay? Sure, for sure. Okay. So losing my mojo meant I've kind of depleted my life force. There was no more energy in my body. That's that's what exhaustion really is. A lot of us don't understand that our sexual energy has to have, actually has to do a lot with our life force. It It is the most powerful energy in the body if we choose to use it. And I'm not going to, I'm going to separate sexual energy from sex for this purpose, because it doesn't have to do anything with sex at this point. Okay. Okay. It's just an energy. Um, Sages have known this for a really long time that you're able, when, when you are harnessing this energy, meaning turning it on and then able to move it in your body into different places. For me, it was the stomach. So I would generate this energy and then flush it into the stomach. My, my digestion started to get better. When you're using this energy and you flush your whole body with it, you are generating feel-good chemicals that naturally decrease the chemicals of pain. That's why a lot of people go for sex and orgasms to feel better, to have a release, and to literally decrease the amount of pain in their life. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a, it's, it's, it's science. It's science. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> um, before that I have seen any, every naturopath, every doctor healer under the sun to be able to help me with this digestive issues. And I couldn't fix it until I started to really just use the feel good chemicals of sexual energy to heal my body. That's all I have to say to people that might be experiencing a lot of chronic pain. It has been conditioned in. It needs to be conditioned out with pleasure. Mm. Mm. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. We need to condition that out. Because I think that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me, this idea of it's almost like you feel like you get stuck in a, in a rut and we, we end up kind of reinforcing the way we already feel through the way we engage with the world, right? It's like, we're always looking for that reflection of our inner experience. And so if we're just kind of like dwelling um, in that, in that place of suffering, very often we end up kind of doubling down on it. (laughs) You know, it's like, I already feel bad. Now I'm going to 
something to make me feel worse or whatever. Yes. So yeah, like there's got to come a tipping point at some point where we're going to make a very conscious choice to do things quite differently and to start, like you said, to, I guess, basically step into your power and start to generate some of your own um, feeling state rather than feeling as though you're just going along for the ride and it's bumpy one. Are you a meditator? I am, yes. So am I. And one of the things I've noticed in, while meditating is before feelings become feelings or pain becomes pain, they're sensations first. Have you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of my, my go-to uh, methods for dealing with migraines that I get from time to time is meditation. Because when, like, when I'm in the act of meditating, I, it's just sensation. It's not pain. That's right. Um, even, even when it's like one of the doozies I get, it's like a three-day stay in bed kind of a headache. It's like, if I'm meditating, I'm not in pain. It's, it's totally alarming <laughs> to, to experience it from the inside out. <laughs> it's totally alarming, is it? It is. I like, where did the migraine go? <laughs> I think it's the most, I think, you know, we as human beings are now waking up to our power, you know, yeah. to how yeah. powerful our minds are, how powerful our bodies are, and being able to use that versus feeling like we're the victims to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear that. So, so why do you think then, um, and I'm going to focus on, on women in particular, because I know that that's primarily who you and I um, tend, to, tend to work with, and those are primarily the people who are listening today. Um, why do you think that we as women tend to shy away from pleasure? I don't think we shy away from it. I think we just put it as the last thing on the to-do list. Mm, okay, yeah. I don't think we shy away. We just, we, we've been taught it needs to be earned. Okay. Conditioned, maybe conditioned that it needs to be earned and, and conditioned through the entire educational system. Mm -hmm. Because as kids, we would be playing, great. We didn't have to earn it. We just had fun. And then through the educational system, only when you get a good grade, you can enjoy yourself. But everything up to that point is work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like the separation of of work and pleasure instead of instead of like this respect for the for the creative process, like you so eloquently described before. Where it's like if you approach it from this place of pleasure, then you will find your organized flow mm -hmm. <laughs> way more readily than if you just sit down and demand things of yourself. Right. That's right. So yeah, I totally see what you mean in terms of, you know, the way it's embedded in our culture, starting in the education system, for sure. So I'm curious to hear then, um, I'm not sure if this, if this rings true for you or not, but do you think that, that women struggle with their relationship to power as well? And if so, why do you think that is? Historically, we women have been conditioned to not be in our power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Historically, we've actually been conditioned to be victims and men have been conditioned to be the heroes saving the victims. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why maybe some women are still struggling with it. Some are claiming it. Yes, that. there's so much of that going on these days. It, ma it makes me so happy. It gives me life to see women stepping into their power. I know. And it's in its time. And it's time only because we need to balance things out. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? Yes. Well, so the, the masculine energy has been running the show for a really long time. It's been designing the world it wants. If by women stepping into their power and going, you know what? This doesn't actually work for us. We want it this way. 
we are bringing the balance back to balance out the masculine and the feminine where the feminine is actually respected, listened to, and its designs are incorporated in the world we want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for more of that to be happening and, you know, for, for the next few generations to be able to actually live in a world um, where that's the way it is, you know, like, have you ever stopped to imagine, like, what would it be like literally to be maybe born at it, like for people, for kids that are going to be born like five years from now, mm. um, when it, when it comes to this idea of, you know, as, as young people being raised to, uh, to use your voice and to, um, you know, not suppress your power as a girl, as a woman, mm. I'm just so excited for those kids, oh like my for God. my nieces, you know? <laughs> I'm absolutely, but I'm also excited for all the women that are claiming it back now and then really showing up and showing other women the way and not mm-hmm. the way of the masculine woman. I'm not going to, but the way of the powerful feminine that is vulnerable, that doesn't have to put an armor on, you know, doesn't have to shut down and pretend everything's okay in order to be the leader. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes that's actually making me think of um the phrase that you that you shared with me um when we were setting this up the idea of um powerless oh i can't remember right now can you rem- can you remind me what it is again powerless effort powerless effort versus yes. effortless, effortless power, power. yes because to me like when you're talking about you know the woman who tries to mold herself and su- and like suppress uh suppress herself and fit into a box in order to be you know, deemed, quote, good enough to wield power or to be, to be part of the conversation in the first place. I think that that's, I mean, that's something I grew up seeing, definitely. It's like most of the women that were in positions of leadership that I was exposed to, that was very often the case. You know, it was a very kind of a rigid um, approach to things and no vulnerability at all. Um, and, and that was kind of held up as something to strive for, which to me, See, does seem like a lot of friggin' work. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> takes so up in a way that's not that's not true. You know, that isn't really you. It's something something you're trying to be versus this other way. So I would love to hear um, hear what you mean by these terms: powerless effort and effortless power. Because so I think that's a really good reflection of of what you seem to be touching on when it comes to this idea of masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. So the masculine, because as I described before, is based on male biology. That's all I'm talking about here the way they create, right? Fastest firm winning (laughs) model. Um, That is based on constant productivity. And that is how the workplace is designed. So you go to work and you're expected to be productive most of the time. Yeah, and in such a linear way, right? It's It's like a linear way every day, all day. Like there's no ebb and flow. There's no seasonality. It's like literally just keep trucking. That's right. And then comes the feminine (laughs) because if the feminine designed the workplace let's just put it this way i'm sure incorporating your menstrual cycle and having days off would be on the (laughs) on the list of how the workplace is going to Mm -hmm. run uh, which isn't incorporated now Um, but what that really brings me to is that we are very cyclical we work with inspiration we work we have different energies available in our bodies throughout the month some, you know, some of the days we are on fire and our productivity is off the hook and we're able to produce that perfect piece. It just comes out, drops in front of us, and there it is. 
and then some days the energies are just more in the yin and we kind of need to low lay low for a bit and recharge and go internal and think about things and process so understanding our own energies and how to work with it throughout our cycle is what allows us to tap into that effortless power because we know that when things are not flowing we're not trying to force them mm -hmm. We just know that with that now is the time to recharge and go in. And when the, when the energy, like I said, is off the hook, now we know we got to grab that opportunity, go and produce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that powerless effort is that constant productivity. You feel, for me, it felt like I was pushing a boulder up a mountain. Every single day I was pushing boulder up a mountain <laughs> that was running me over. <laughs> That is exhausting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exhausting. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've, I guess it's been a few years now that I've started to kind of embrace this concept of seasonality in my own life too, because when I think back maybe like five years ago and the way I would have been like setting goals and making plans then, it was still pretty linear. The idea was like, I'm, this is a commitment I'm going to make and then it's going to be added to my plate on an ongoing basis and I keep going and actually this podcast is a perfect example of that because I started the podcast and then I got to a point that I felt a little like I had to force it like to you know I was kind of going out of my way to find new people to interview and as a result it sort of didn't feel as good it wasn't as exciting for me and then somebody said to me Bridget you know a lot of podcasts just need seasons right and I was like oh I didn't know that <laughs> needed the, the culture's permission for, to do that but I it hadn't occurred to me and so I was like oh I can literally just like drop a bunch of episodes every once in a while when when it's all flowing and working and whatever and again I don't need to worry about this idea of like every single week there's going to be this thing that happens um and so it's so liberating to just kind of trust the timing of that stuff and like you said follow your cravings like if it's not feeling good, then maybe it is a seasonal thing, whether that means like on an annual basis or within the, the cycle of any given month. Um, it really is such a game changer to just start to tune into that. And just, I mean, I know for a lot of people, this is going to be a new concept if they're mm. listening to today, you know, it's like we, like you've described, this is not the way our culture runs. Um, and so to even start thinking about this kind of stuff, um, you know, can sometimes um, be a little bit challenging just to kind of wrap your mind around it. So I know when I first started looking into this stuff, it was like, okay, let me just start to observe my own energy trends, you know, and it, it was, you know, I was absolutely able to see how, yes, my cycle does give this ebb and flow of energy throughout the month. And now I know when, when I can reasonably predict that probably I'm going to have a bit of an energy surge mm -hmm. versus when I should spend more time on like mundane tasks. It's like I can still do stuff, but I'm not feeling creative. So let me just do the stuff that needs to get done. Mm -hmm. And then other times where I'm like, nothing can happen right now. Um, and, and to see that as something that's fine. You can start to plan for it, which is so liberating. Because again, I mean, you're talking before about the idea of feeling like you're a victim to something versus, you know, having standing in your power around it that's a great example too because if you're not paying attention to this stuff then you will feel like a victim probably because it'll you'll feel blindsided you know it'll be like oh but i was trying to do this stuff and my body's not cooperating you know um instead of kind of honoring and revering and respecting its natural its natural way of doing it that's spot on that is and and that feeds straight into us 
not only listening to logic most of the time, but starting to listen to our intuition. I come to understand mm. that our intuition really is the shortest route to knowing. We don't actually need to do oh. so much research, you know, so much analysis of something to know. Once mm-hmm. we just start listening to those cravings and that intuition, we just get the direct route to our next step. Yeah. So what was your journey like around um, opening up to your intuition? <laughs> Very <laughs> It's a big one. Just tell me all the things. Yeah, it's a huge one. It's a a huge one. Um, I've read the big big magic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I read the big magic and I really enjoyed the concept of, hey, ideas are like little entities that come and visit you and knock on your door and go, hey, do you want to work with me? Do you find this interesting? Do you want to work with me? Hmm. So from that moment, and, and she describes, Elizabeth describes in there that she catches these. So whenever they're flowing, she literally starts running to a piece of paper and a pen to catch what's coming. And that woke me up to the idea of intuition because intuition is knowing. It's not a maybe. There is no debate about it. It's when you have that moment of insight, you just know it is right. And then you don't spend the next 20 minutes going, well, maybe, was that really right? Do I really need to? No, no. Intuition is like, once you know, <laughs> you, you just know. know. <laughs> There's yeah. can't, you can't argue with it, actually. I, I hear what you're saying. And at the same time, I think at first you might, you might try to argue with it. <laughs> I definitely have gotten myself into some debates with my intuition. Of course, my intuition is right every time. (laughs) But but as a recovering type A uh, and former perfectionist, you know, um, definitely I did try to, I would try to argue with it sometimes. You know, I would pull from like, oh, but this is what people say, or this is what convention dictates or what have you. Right. Um, but yeah, when I look back at the end of the day, it's like the, the intuitive hit was the thing. Like I always circle back to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it takes practice to eventually get to a point that you feel like you can trust that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and so I think if you look at the evidence, you know, again, you just start kind of tuning in to noticing when you're getting those intuitive hits. And even if you're still in a stage where you're not quite buying it the first time when it first comes up, <laughs> you know, just starting to gather evidence and to notice how things turn out or where things end up, um, I think can be really revealing in terms of giving us that sense of, of knowing that it's something that we can, we can actually rely on a little bit more and, and feel good about it. Um, especially when you've been suppressing it forever, right? I mean, it takes some, it takes some practice. It takes some actual lived experience, I think, to be, to be fully open and ready and, um, to, to have that sense of being able to follow through on it. And it comes in really subtle. Mm, yeah let's talk about that it comes in really subtle you'll be sitting thinking about completely something else and then suddenly you'll have a thought that feels so right you gotta write it down so maybe keeping even an intuition journal to begin and then seeing what you've taken action on and what you haven't and how did that work out for you would be a great beginning Mm -hmm, for sure yeah the subtle it's interesting to uh, tune into the fact that intuition is so subtle. Um, and I think that because so often, like we're, we're so overstimulated in our world, right? So if you don't have a stillness practice, 
um, or something that brings you back to your center that you engage in regularly, it's gonna be really hard to notice <laughs> intuition, right? Like there's a lot of chatter depending on your starting point. And so, you know, starting to, and that's why this idea of, you know, some sort of self-care practice that lets your nervous system calm down um, is so useful because that's the point at which you can start to notice some of these subtleties. Like I know for myself, I was just actually speaking to my partner yesterday about, um, sometimes I think we're telepathically linked because literally, and for me, it's intuition. It's like, I will predict the next song that he's going to pick to play. And he's really specific about what, um, what song he wants to listen to is he's a composer and super into music and any friends of mine that are listening to this know exactly what I mean that he's kind of, you know, in charge of like gets very, very specific stuff he wants to listen to at different times. So it's funny because he's got this, you know, obviously huge database of stuff and yet here, like maybe 10 seconds before he puts the song on it just kind of flashes through my mind. And then he picks it. And that oh, happened yeah. yesterday. And I was like, does it happen to you ever because it's really notable. <laughs> You know, I feel like I've got this 15 second edge. <laughs> but it's quiet, you know, it's really just this kind of like a passing thought. It's not like, Bridget, this is what's happening. It's more like, oh, oh, that song. And I'm like, huh, that happened. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that quiet intuition. So what's it like for you when you get an intuitive hit? How does it show up? Like what sensations do you get or what, what's that experience like? So I could be going, you know, as I'm creating, nothing might be happening, and then suddenly something will come right through. So just a, just a moment, a flash of, of putting pieces together, and I have to sit down, and this is the thing I need to work on in that very moment. So mm. that's just definitely one, one example. So is that like you get a visual of things coming together? I get a visual, I get something or, or even a kickoff point for something. And I yeah. have to work on that right now because I know that's where the energy is flowing. Mm -hmm. And usually when I catch those moments, I have that perfect, what, what we call it, perfect download. It comes out the way it needs to be. I don't need to tweak anything. Mm. And I guess that's part of the beauty of the shift that you're inviting us to consider in this whole conversation, because when you allow yourself to be, um, you know, to be in that, in that state of effortless power, the, uh, the counterintuitive thing that happens is that you are more productive. Like you win all the things you, you, like you do get cake and you get to eat it because who wants cake that you can't eat? You know? Yes. Yeah. Like, like it's, you're not sacrificing productivity for the sake of operating in this, in this different way. And again, sometimes that's a bit of a mental leap, but like the, the magic of flow that can, that can come through when you give yourself that space to move in and out of, of what feels right. And to, um, you know, to engage with your, your ideas when they're hot, mm -hmm. when they're hot, <laughs> Sorry, grab them when they're hot. Yes. Yeah. It's, different than trying to force it out of thin air because you decided that this is the deadline right mm -hmm. yeah so I'm wondering I mean we're, we're talking about living in this way and I think it's a beautiful thing and it's um, you and I as entrepreneurs have the the privilege of being able to really live it on a lot of different levels so I'm wondering um, you know how how this applies for people who do find themselves more so maybe in a workplace culture that is still in that linear um kind of more masculine as you put it model of, of productivity like where do you go if your daily life is still a little bit like that where do you start oh, 
I think I think this is where we would pass the <laughs> pass the talking stick to you in regards to setting right boundaries. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's where it starts. It has to start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it absolutely does for sure. Um, and you know, recognizing where you do have power that maybe you're not you're not noticing it right now. That can be a good place to start too, so that you can make you can really leverage the choices that are available to you as much as possible, um, rather than kind of assuming you don't have any power or, or leeway around things. Because I think very often we've got. Um, we have a lot more choice than we, we allow ourselves to, to recognize, um, especially when you're really busy, right? It's, um, we kind of don't stop to think that maybe I could make this shift or suggest this modification or what have you. Um, so there's, yeah, so there's definitely lots of like that external work to do around um, like setting up circumstances that, that honor your ability to flow a little bit better. Um, and I was curious to talk to you a little bit more about the idea of kind of like balancing the energies for yourself as well because there's the outer work and then there's also that that inner work of you know maybe existing within a culture that is a little bit out of whack mm -hmm. <laughs> these energies and rather than kind of just absorbing all of that from the space around you and the people around you how do you balance these energies for yourself and i would love to hear like your firsthand experience in terms of what you what you like to do and or ideas around what what other folks can try to i have a two-step process for balancing those energies. First is I go back, if I'm in a, let's say, an irritated emotional state, for example, mm -hmm. because something happened externally, I first go to neutral and meditation is my tool to bring me back to neutral. Mm -hmm. But I don't stay in neutral. Neutral is just a pit stop. <laughs> Uh, from there, I can build the energy to more of a joy and happy and excited. And mm. for that, I use um, methods from using the sexual energy to really bring, bring that energy into the body and flush my body with feel-good chemicals. Mm. And is that still a meditative process or...? That is still a meditative process. That is a um, breathwork process. Okay. You could also dance, you could move with it. Um, mm -hmm. So there is, there is long, longer processes that I have. If I was to say, if there's something happening immediately that I need to go into a balanced, calm state because, and I can't step away and meditate, then um, I drop into the womb. Hmm. Tell me about that. I drop into the womb. Um, the womb for women is a very safe home space. If we can condition to be there more than we are in our heads. So, yes, if we can condition ourselves to be more in the womb than we are in our heads, then we are in our grounded space. Mm. So that sounds like, um, if I'm, if I'm kind of interpreting this correctly, like, as you said that I've kind of felt myself do it. Like, um, kind of bringing my awareness to that part of my body and allowing myself to kind of soften into, into my grounded feeling. So it's kind yeah. of like, I could, I, it's almost like my center of gravity lowered. It is. Um, as I was listening to you say that I could feel like I'm kind of dropping into my own body yes. and there is this sense of, 
both strength and receptivity that I that kind of immediately washed over me. It's like I can I feel grounded and strong, but at the same time, like open and fluid. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? There you go. See, so you that, work. Is that what you mean? And again, like I am a meditator, I do a lot of body work myself. And so if you're listening and that didn't happen to you when you're listening, that's okay. There's nothing wrong. You might just need a longer process when you're when you're first starting. But what I love, so first of all, I love that you're like, I have a two part, two-step process. That's like such a great amount of steps. <laughs> yeah, two. Two is great. In this day and age, I feel like sometimes it's like first of a 12-part series. So I love that you really boiled it down to these two steps. And the thing that I really love about it as well is how you talk about bringing yourself to neutral first. Yes. Um, because it's, it's one of the things that, that sometimes frustrates me um, when I kind of look at what's out there online in terms of people looking for inspiration and motivation and stuff. Sometimes it feels like, you know, put a glitter sticker on top of it and like the kind of put on a smiley face and change your attitude in a second kind of stuff like just choose to be grateful well it's like if you're not feeling that way then you've got to kind of thaw out from the negativity first <laughs> I, I find like in my own process it's the same I, I can't just expect myself to jump from feeling crappy to feeling bedazzled yes. <laughs> you know it's like there's I've got to make a stop along the way and so and and that to me is a really really important thing that I don't think everybody's necessarily talking about so I really appreciate um, that that is your process, that there's the neutral thing first, and then you kind of warm up into this, um, into the place where you're flooding yourself with all of those feel good, um, feel good hormones and everything. Exactly. I mean, that's more, that's more yeah. real, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it's like to be human. It's not a switch that you can just flip. No, it's not a switch. And, and you need to me, it's almost discharging all that, those lower emotional states that I don't want to be in by feeling them, observing them, but not getting involved in their story. Mm, yeah, can you say more about that? I think that's so powerful. One of the most amazing pieces of advice I've ever heard is feel the feeling, drop the story. Mm. If the listeners can even wrap their heads around that, just feel the feeling, but drop the story. Yeah. Um, the best way to recognize <laughs> Uh, the best way to recognize is, let's say you're feeling really sad and yeah. you would close your eyes and then think to yourself, do I feel sad in my head because I'm telling myself a story about it? Or do I, where is the sadness in my body? Mm -hmm. If the sadness actually doesn't exist in your body, it's not really easily found, then you're making a story about it that is producing similar chemicals to it. Hmm. and we I for the longest time I got wrapped up in the stories and then amplified them and made them bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and then I ended up in really heavy emotional states that I didn't that I didn't want to be in so whatever's happening now I sit down and close my eyes and I go into okay where do I feel it what is happening my body's talking let's listen but let's drop this story <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's so important like the way you just that really simple phrase is completely describing like how you get out of your head, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's because in my experience too, um, the stories, when I'm experiencing lots of story spinning in my mind, a lot of that is fear of actually feeling my feelings. 
Mm. You know, it's like, that's, that's kind of the damper. That's the insulation <laughs> that, mm. my, that, you know, my mind wants to put on my feelings so that I don't have to feel them. Right. Um, it's like, that's the distraction. That's it. As long as I'm stuck in story, then I don't have to feel the bad feelings. Right. Mm. Um, so being willing and also having the capacity, right. I mean, it's, we all have different capacities to feel big feelings. And that's, again, it comes down to your nervous system and your, your resilience, um, which is influenced by a wide variety of factors. So we're all going to have different levels of capacity to actually engage with feelings that feel big. Um, but at the same time, like that's, that's absolutely the, the step that is so, so crucial for us is to say, okay, like recognizing when you're all up in your head um, and just ca calling a time out and really actually feeling what's going on because that's when we get unstuck. You know, that's when the energy starts to move. That's when mm -hmm. we start to recognize our own sense of power and our ability to move beyond, um, beyond what feels like it's, it's happening to us. Um, so I really appreciate you, you sharing that in that particular way. Cause I think that that's something that that people can really practice in a real way. It's like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I have lots of thoughts going on in my head. What do I do about it? And of course, the first thing you're going to want to do is to make a plan <laughs> and a strategy. <laughs> it's like, no, never do a strategy. <laughs> like I always know, I always know I'm in that state because my to-do list making goes through the roof. <laughs> like, I'm going to sit down and start to organize like all of the stuff that I'm supposed to do. It's like, no, that's not what has to happen right now. Like that's part of my stress response is like this list making thing. Mm. So it's like, okay, let's let that go and actually feel the feelings, actually feel the feelings. I think that's so powerful. It's so simple and yet so powerful, you know? And I would add, you know, feeling even those low vibrating I would call them low vibrating feelings of anger or sadness or frustration. Mm -hmm. They're great. Once yeah. you really give in to them, that even feels great. <laughs> well, because you're allowing yourself to be where you are, right? So it's like, it's, it's like telling somebody to calm down. It's like, you're not going to calm down mm -hmm. because you need to be acknowledged first, right? It's like, and we can give ourselves that acknowledgement. And that's exactly how we do it is by getting into our heads and dropping into our feelings you know it's like once you acknowledge the feeling there is that sense of release and relief mm -hmm. um, and then and even in terms of what's happening in your brain you know you're able to return to lighting up your prefrontal cortex more which which is your problem solving area but only once that you know that your present state has been acknowledged because that stuff's going to persist until you choose to engage with it Yes, and it will filter what you decide to do next. So that's why going back to neutral for me, I found is the best way because if I try to make decisions out of my heavy emotional states, that I don't necessarily make great decisions. <laughs> I hear that. You are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so that's why we're, I go You're back to neutral and then, and then build on that. So two steps, go back to neutral and then create that sense of, that sense of felt energy inside your own body. Um, and then the other wisdom that get a little nugget of wisdom that you just dropped to was to feel the feeling and drop the story, mm -hmm. which I love. I just thought those two things uh, bear repeating. So I just wanted to underline it. <laughs> which, so we're coming to the end of our time together and I wanted to check in with you. Is there anything that you wanted to emphasize or anything that's kind of been in the back of your mind during this conversation that you wanted to make sure that you got in there too? any sort of final, final thoughts you wanted to share? Um, I would, I would say that, you know, 
coming from a place where I was frustrated, I was burnt out, I was confused. I would say to anybody who's going through similar things, just know that you're exactly at the right place because you kind of need to be at that place to recognize that something isn't working for things to shift. So it's okay. I say like, if you're if, to women, if you're exhausted, if this is happening perfectly, this is a perfect storm that's brewing. See where it wants to take you because it will always take you, you know, the storm will clear and it will take you to the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I think that's wonderful to deeply acknowledge that, you know, the, the pain is there as an impetus, that that sense of suffering is, is like a, it's calling your attention. <laughs> yeah, it's calling your attention, you know, something, it's just showing you, hey, something, the, the, what, what I'm doing right now isn't, isn't right, isn't working for me yeah. anymore. So yeah. I need to change some things. Yeah. And sometimes we sort of need that call. You know, it's, it's hard to just make that decision out of the blue for yourself, um, which sometimes we do. We just decide to grow. We decide we want a new challenge or what have you. But sometimes we need that sense of like, this really isn't working for me anymore in order to be able to find the, the willingness to engage in, in the process of, of trying something new or, or being, being in a new way, living in a new way. Yeah. And I would say if you're in that place and if you are inclined to move into the spiritual and just simply ask, hey, whatever universe, whatever this thing is that created it all, just can you just take care of it? I don't have it right now. I don't know mm. what to do. Could you just take care of it? Mm, love it. Love it. So good. So Natalia, where can the good people find you? What's the best way to connect with you and your work? Um, people can find me at NataliaCantor with a K.com. And then awesome. they can learn everything about me. I run really cool women's masterminds where we dive deep into this and move from what I just described, maybe feeling a little um, under the weather, burnt out, to really stepping into your power in a very embodied way. So not just the mindset of it, but the embodiment of it. So powerful. Love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me today and have this conversation. Oh, it's um, a pleasure. <laughs> it feels so amazing to have this, to have this chat with you. It's been a very uplifting experience for me. So, so I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your insights and your experience with the people. Um, and hopefully I'll get to see you sometime soon. This has been amazing. Thank you, darling. Yes, and hopefully we'll see each other soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye.